are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Look what we have here. It's a listener to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you. I am your host, your pal, and the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Today's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's Twitter Tuesday. I'm answering your questions. If you want to get in on this, you can always Always send me a question on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL or at Locked On Vikings. You can also send an email to Locked On Vikings Podcast at gmail.com or you can fill out the Google form in the show notes. You can ask it on Discord if you want. Do it however you want and I'll answer it on the show. And the first one is uh, pertinent to some current events. We'll do the news in question form. It came, comes from Nick Howard who asks, since Hunter's injury last year was initially just a tweak, would it be safe to assume that Pierce is missing his whole leg? Uh, so Michael Pierce suffered a minor calf injury while working out as it was first reported I think by Tom Pelissero uh, later some of the Vikings beat people I think Ben Gessling came in and kind of clarified it is a very minor thing might not be ready for the start of camp shouldn't be worse than that um, and that's kind of is what it is right there uh, in a similar vein t- uh, tone setter Matthias asks is it too early to roll out the tank Forrester asks what sports should I start following now that Michael Pierce hurt his calf and all hope is lost uh, yeah so people were really really freaking out and I think a lot of it has to do with how Hunter's injury went down but if you were around when we were talking about Daniel Hunter uh, kind of right before he got extended as part of the argument of hey extend Daniel Hunter and you know get his contract worked out and don't let this, you know, uh, ruin the relationship. Part of that was that the tweak, the infamous tweak, probably presented as a tweak, as, you know, Daniel Hunter initially thought he slept funny and wasn't, you know, saying, hey, you know, my neck hurts and then Zimmer goes, you're just not being tough enough. It's just a tweak. No, you went, I don't know, something's kind of sore. It's a little weird, but it doesn't seem like much. People ask, they say, ah, you know, he said he didn't seem like much. And then it turned out to be worse down the road, which is how herniated discs like work. That's how they present. And that's why neck and back injuries are so scary. The spine is this very intricate thing that's very difficult to repair. That's very, I mean, you can't really do a lot of surgery stuff on it because there's a lot of nerves there and a lot of, you know, real intricate stuff. The calf is not quite as intricate, a minor calf injury is probably a minor calf injury. It could always exacerbate it. It could always be something worse. They could be lying. I don't know, whatever. But I would say that the beat reporters are saying, you know, it is a minor calf injury. We can probably just take them at the word on that. We don't have to jump to the most apocalyptic conclusion to defend ourselves from like getting disappointed later. We can just take what the reporters have told us on its face. And then if it changes, you know, we'll change the way we feel about it then. And I do think it's different to hear minor injury from a reporter versus hearing minor injury on a podium from a coach that has all the incentive in the world to lie about injuries and stuff. So headline is first few weeks of camp, you're going to have less Michael Pierce reps. That's going to mean more opportunities for the Armin Watts types of the world. The James Lynch's and whoever will, you know, be able to kind of bump up a team if they can. And that should be informative and probably a more meaningful thing that we can derive from this than Michael Pierce, who's going to be, you know, back a week before the next the first preseason game. And then we never talk about this again. Peter Larson asks, could you ever see the Vikings seeking out a trade to get Xavier Howard? Seems like despite the Vikings focusing hard on cornerback in free agency, getting a 
for sure lockdown corner like Howard would help Peterson, Breland, Dantzler, Alexander a lot. Uh, so Howard's an interesting, he's got he's got four years left on his contract. So that would be a blockbuster move that blows the Peterson, Breland, uh, you know, kind of one-year deal guys, Mackenzie Alexander thing out of the water. Xavier Howard immediately becomes cornerback one, right? Uh, I don't see the Vikings doing that. They could. They have the cap to do it if they wanted to. But to be honest, I just talked to Kyle Krabs on Locked On NFL. We did a Dolphins preview on Locked On NFL today on Tuesday. Go check it out. I do that with Ross every Tuesday. Uh, and we just talked to Kyle Krabs about Xavier Howard. If you ask me, based on what he told me, it sounds like they're going to get something worked out. And that trading him is kind of a nuclear option. So I don't see him leaving Miami at all, uh, let alone to the Vikings. And I don't see the Vikings being the team that's, you know, so desperate for a corner. They outbid everybody else. There's probably some teams out there in a, in a rougher way at cornerback. I, mean, I could see the Bears outbidding the Vikings for that one. Um, Eric the Red asks, is it pop or soda? It's soda. Sorry, guys. Diggs has you on this one. Uh, if you missed it, Stefan Diggs tweeted that it is soda and it's not pop. And he's right. Sorry, that's. That's the law. Uh, if you don't like it, deal with it. Life's hard. George asks, do you know why the third round picks have yet to sign? Uh, so basically, they're all quibbling over small amounts, and you can blame the Houston Texans for this. So Nico Collins for the Houston Texans, I think he was like the 25th-ish pick in the fifth in the third round, uh, signed a maxed out deal. So in the third round, there's actually a little bit of negotiating room. It, it amounts to, uh, you know, nickels and dimes in the grand scheme of the salary cap. It's like $400,000 over the entire life of the contract. That's nothing in NFL terms. Uh, but of course, you know, it's enough money, and Nico Collins maxed it out. So there is a rule that basically you get your kind of pre-negotiated base salary, whatever that is for your third round contract. And then every year after that, it can the, the salary can increase up to 25% from what it was last year. Uh, and then there's a minimum. So there's a minimum and maximum and you negotiate within that range. Uh, Nico Collins got all the maximums and now everybody else wants all the maximums and teams are getting a little weird about that because, you know, if you give you all the maximums, you basically are going to give everybody all the maximums forever and ever. And that's a difficult thing to agree to. So I think there might be a little bit of stare down going on. Um, Terry Varichak asks, when are we going to sign the rest of our draft class, which is the next kind of question on that, which is, okay, how long does the stare down go? If you ask me, I don't think anybody misses any training camp over it. Um, I don't think you're going to see any like holdouts or anything like that over it. It is, again, in the grand scheme of things, a small amount of money for the team. And I think eventually teams might just capitulate on this. But this is not a thing that is unique to the Vikings. This isn't a problem only the Vikings are having. The Vikings have three third rounders in this Nico Collins range because they picked four times in the third round and only Kellen Mond has signed. Uh, and so they have more rookies in this situation, but basically every rookie in this range is like kind of staring down their team right now, which is kind of an interesting thing from like an agent league union cap perspective. Um, but again, I think much like the Michael Pierce injury, it's one of those things that by the time the Vikings actually are doing joint practices with the Broncos, you know, in, in mid August, we probably aren't thinking about this anymore. Got a lot more questions I want to get to, but first let's talk a little bit about Grambling. The NBA Finals are coming to the end. Bucks up three to two as of this recording. And if you think they can close it out, you can bet on the final NBA Finals games. You can bet on all sorts of NFL futures. You can bet what place you think the Vikings will get in the NFC North. You can bet on MVP, passing yards leader, receiving yards leader, all that stuff. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I think, second in odds to be the rushing leader. You can go place a buck on that. You can bet on the WNBA, MLB, anything in sports or otherwise that you can dream up award shows and reality TV as well. That's at betonline.ag. Go there, set up an account for free if you haven't already. 
that part's easy. And then when you actually make your first deposit, you can enter promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. You get a 50% match on that first deposit. So if that first deposit is say 300 bucks, you'd actually have an extra 150 bucks to ramble with that's 450 total a bunch of that's free play money that bet online matches just for entering the promo code locked on at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts moving on with this twitter tuesday mail bag jimothy asks could the vikings benefit from signing kj Wright, veteran linebacker who does it all and still playing at a high level don't love our linebackers beyond Barr and kendricks yeah the, the backup linebackers aren't great there's a lot of projecty dudes in there you know troy die and chaz surratt you know these guys that maybe we shouldn't quite trust I, I think nick vigil as a third rotational guy i think that's about the job he belongs on that's like not a full starting job and maybe he should just be a backup too um, so I, I don't think it's like this big emergency or anything like that. But look, I mean, KJ Wright's one of the best linebackers in the league. I mean, I put him up there with Eric Kendricks, if you ask me. Um, and I don't watch the Seahawks too closely. Maybe I'm that's an outdated take, but I put him up there with Eric Kendricks. So, of course, it would be awesome. Um, I don't know if KJ Wright would come to the Vikings to be a backup. I don't, I don't know if he'd be particularly interested in that. But yeah, man, if you got... KJ Wright, Barr and Kendricks, that screw that. Let's go and base package all the time. Screw the nickel, right? Uh, Drew Locke Enjoyer says, Daniil, Richardson, Pierce, Tomlins, Jones, Barr, an ideal 6-1 set. Who says no? Two people say no. A, Stephen Weatherly. Uh, B, Andre Patterson, if Patrick Jones isn't good. Uh, and a third person who says no, running backs. That's a, a terrifying uh, front, although the secondary seems hung out to dry a little bit by that because you only have... Uh, you know, two corners and two safeties, and you've got a lot of a lot of bulk out there. And if they bring out any speed, uh, or if they have like fast tight ends or something, you might have some trouble with that. But I don't know. I, I don't hate the idea of like the six one kind of five two deal, uh, or like a, a five two with Anthony Barr lining up as an under Sam linebacker thing. I don't know. It seems kind of close to stuff Vikings have already done. It's not really that far uh, out of the the realm of proven concepts. K. Meezy asks, does replacing two historically bad pass blocking guards on the O-line with rookies actually make our own line that much better, or are we just high on fight false hope? Uh, and then a follow-up is, how good is the Vikings O-line actually? Can we expect solid pass blocking from this unit in a year where we need it most? I don't know if we need it this year more than we needed it other years or less than we needed it other years. Um, I mean, it's, you know, Kirk Cousins needs pass blocking. He's not a particularly good pressure eraser, so obviously that kind of puts more pressure on the on the O-line and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if the guards were historically bad. I think they were just regular bad. They were bad. They were like really bad, but I don't know if historically is true. Um, I think we've seen worse guard play for sure. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't want Dakota Dozier to go in. There's not even a guarantee that Dakota Dozier is replaced. He might play right card if Wyatt Davis isn't ready. Uh, and then you're replacing Riley Reef with a rookie. So that, I think, it just has to get worse, right? If that's better, that's a miracle. Darisaw might someday be better than Riley Reef, But right away, that would be pretty intense. Um, and then you're just, you had Ezra Cleveland on one side and he's just playing on the other side. So, like, you just switched the guards right now. You haven't actually replaced any of them. I, I think you get about the same offensive line you got last year. Maybe a little worse. I, I think it's definitely reasonable to be high and excited about Wyatt Davis in particular. Wyatt Davis's college tape showed a, a dude that is just ready to come out and play. Um, he didn't overtake Dakota Dozier, but for a couple times, he got a little bit of first team work in OTAs, which is a decently good sign. Um, I hope he can start week one. If he starts week one, I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, that'll help. And then, you know, you got to see what you get on the on the left tackle side. Um, but I think you're going to still have to do a lot of stuff, a lot of play action, a lot of keeping guys in in protection, a lot of quick 
game stuff to try to help out that offensive line. And I think the Vikings have kind of come up with a plan that naturally does all that stuff anyways. And I think they're fine with relying on schematic things to sort of make up for deficiencies along pass blocking. And then in return, you get really good run blocking. And you get all these great, cool Dalvin Cook games. Uh, Nate Stanley for starter asks, kickers are people too, but how likely is it that the Vikings opening day kicker is not on the current roster? Uh, Sort of likely, but I don't know. I, I think Greg Joseph just wins that job. Um, he's a decent kicker. Riley Patterson, I don't think wins that job, if I had to guess. Um, he hasn't been that good in, in Memphis, and Greg Joseph has been, you know, decent here and there for his career. Um, I, I think people tend to underestimate kickers they haven't heard of. And you haven't heard of Greg Joseph, but that doesn't mean he's bad. I actually think that's kind of perfect. There's not a lot of pressure on Greg Joseph, right? You win the job, you win the job, but you're not, you know, you don't have a a draft pick attached to you. You don't have a big contract attached to you. He's just a dude that's going to kick for as long as he can make it. And I think that is really good for the mental side of kicking, which is such a get in your head, get the yips kind of thing that that stuff, I don't know, it seems to matter. Bird Fry asks, what positions on defense and offense do you feel there is a dearth of talent across the NFL? Um, I think... Nose tackles are really hard to find. I think there's this idea that, oh, you can just get any old nose tackle. They're so cheap and easy. Um, but I, there's just not a lot of like six foot four, 320 pound dudes that like can do cardio in the world. Like that's just not a, a shape that humans often come in. So I think it's hard to find a good nose, even if that guy doesn't end up being particularly expensive once you've gotten him. Getting him is kind of tough. Um, I, I think it's tough to find good offensive line. That's really been something that college has not been uh, providing to the NFL. There hasn't been a good supply of linemen coming out of college in abundance. And a lot of them have been smaller zone stuff, which is a big reason all this zone stuff has come into the league is because that's the scheme that the players can run. I think it's really, really hard to find a good cornerback. It's easy to find a like a low tier starting quarterback. I think it's hard to find like a good, reliable cornerback. So that's a few. It's also hard to find a reliable place to get car parts if you're trying to do the research for yourself. If you're a do-it-yourself or maybe you want to learn how to change your own oil or maybe you took your car in, you think your mechanic's trying to upsell you a whole bunch for parts and maybe you want to see if you can't get those parts on your own for a little cheaper, rockauto.com can help you. Enter your make, your year, and your model and whatever part you're looking for or supply or anything, you can also get like safety supplies, jumper cables, an ice scraper, which is not something you should be thinking about right now, but come on, winter always sneaks up on you. You can find all that stuff at rockauto.com dot com and they are just an aggregator they're selling you direct links to buy parts from manufacturers instead of going through an auto parts store or a mechanic that's going to upsell you because you're a retail customer and, and they're not looking out for you rock auto is and they've been doing this for 15 years and they're not selling you cheaper versions of parts they're selling you the same parts for cheaper by cutting out the middleman so rockauto.com is where you go to get everything you could possibly need for your car and at checkout Make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you, because if you don't, the bunnies will never have the support they need to make their amazing race audition tape and get on the hit CBS reality show. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Got a few more questions here on this Tuesday mailbag. The next one comes from Eli, who asks, since the Vikings seem to love changing positions, who is one defensive player and offensive player on the Vikings who could most successfully transition to the other side of the ball? And then Eli went on to say do it without moving someone to a position they played previously in high school or in college. So you can't do Chaz Surratt to linebacker or to quarterback. That's that's lame, which I agree. That's lame. So I think Daniil Hunter to tight end would be pretty good 
Um, I think Daniel Hunter would make an, a, a really good tight end. I think he's got the athleticism and stuff. He can really move. I think Barr to tight end would be awesome as well. I know Barr played a little bit of running back, um, but I don't know. I, I So I don't know if he counts. If he doesn't count, then we'll do uh, Daniel Hunter to tight end. Like, just try to box that guy out. Um, and now I'm thinking on the offensive side of the ball, you know, who are like the super athletes? I think Brian O'Neill might make an interesting edge rusher on the other side. He's got, you know, pretty good athleticism for that, good explosiveness. Um, I I think you could probably ask if there's some, some people like I think you could ask Dalvin Cook to do anything and he would find a way to be good at it. I, I kind of feel that way about Cameron Bynum, too. But I think I'm going to go with give me a veteran like Adam Thielen and put him at safety. And I think he would be able to do that or like put like Kellen Mond at safety, you know, somebody with quarterbacking experience that's got the athleticism to run around and, you know, has a, a, a decent handle on kind of what's going on around him. I, I think somebody like that could could be really interesting. David Whitting asks, who is going to be the biggest flop for the Vikings this year and who is going to be the biggest surprise? I think the biggest surprise might be Tyler Conklin. I really like Tyler Conklin and his skill set. I think he doesn't have like the tight end two job is not a very difficult one. It's not sky high expectations or anything. And I think he'll be able to do it. And I think he's a really dynamic outlet guy. That's what I really liked about him in December when Kyle Rudolph was out. And those were the two tight ends was that Tyler Conklin could catch one on the line of scrimmage and accelerate. He can, you know, do a screen. He can kind of do the things that the Vikings asked Kyle Rudolph to do, but he wasn't explosive enough. Tyler Conklin is explosive enough. He's not a burner. He's like a 4-8-40 guy, but I think he can take over what Kyle Rudolph did and uh, like in, in schemes and stuff, run those spot routes, be that outlet guy, catch a four yarder and turn it into a nine yarder. I think he can do that. And I think we're going to be really happy with him in terms of a flop. Um, I think it's got to be somebody in the rookie class, right? Like uh, Darisaw. I think Darisaw might be a flop by virtue of not winning the job right away. And I think everybody super expects him to. Um, and I admit, people got really mad when I called Darisaw overrated because they're like, well, he's a rookie. How do you know it all? It's like, oh, come on. We just spent like three months dissecting every part of this guy's play. We're allowed to have takes on him. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know if he, he wins the job right away. Maybe he does. I'd be happy to see him do it. Uh, but uh, that would be, I think, a, a likely enough flop. People have really high expectations for Christian Darisaw. He's a first-round pick, and it makes sense. I definitely see a world where he doesn't live up to those right away. Johannes says, you have to stay in quarantine in your house for two weeks with an active or former Vikings player. Who would you choose? Um, there's too many former Vikings. I'm just going to do active. Chris Boyd would be hilarious. I would love to hang out with Stephen Weatherly. I would love to hang out with Mackenzie Alexander. I have a lot of respect for Mackenzie Alexander as a person, as a human, um, because of his story. And we'll get to his story time later this week, by the way. Um, and I, I would love to do that. Uh, those those are a few. There are not many Vikings I wouldn't want to hang out with, to be honest. Dalvin Cook seems like a great time. I'll give you a former one. Stefan Diggs seems like a great time to hang out with. That dude seems like the wildest drinking buddy in the world. I would have so much fun hanging out with that dude. Uh, there's, I don't know, there's a lot of Vikings probably. Uh, my dad messaged me. Thanks for sending a question, dad. Love you. Uh, he asked, with a more seasoned secondary, what's the biggest scheme move Zimmer can put back that he couldn't do last year? Uh, the biggest, because you said biggest, I'm going to say just the general idea of man match coverage, which they just could not do. They had to basically do vanilla cover two zone all of 2020 because the young secondary couldn't figure out the rules, couldn't, you know, get the communication down and stuff. And it would have led to a lot of coverage busts. So they had to run this like, you know, vanilla kind of easy to figure out cover two. But, you know, at least you're not giving up 70 yard touchdowns through the air, having things that like like what happened week one with the Packers where 
you know, guys were just getting smoked down, down the sideline all the time. At least you were guarded against that. Uh, and you were hiding the, the Chris Boyds and the Chris Joneses and the Cordria Tankersleys of the world. You were kind of keeping them hidden. Um, and I think that you can do a lot more man match, which is man coverage, but with match rules. So you kind of take the outermost receiver, whoever that is, and that guards you against certain, certain concepts. You say, okay, I'm going to take uh, Devontae Adams unless he breaks in, then I pass him off. But if he doesn't break in before five yards, then I've got everything else that he does. And you can basically dial that in to do whatever you can. And I think that's the perfect way to take advantage of Patrick Peterson's skill set because Patrick Peterson is bad against a few specific things. And you can basically just give him a little bit of help inside, which is a pretty common thing. You know, have a linebacker over there. There's somebody over there anyways that he can pass off to in man match coverage. And then he can take everything else down the sideline and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, the slants or the in-breaking routes and stuff like that. Um, that I think is big. And if for a coverage shell, I think more quarters coverage, uh, quarters man match stuff, really Saban-y stuff. It's a, it's a Zimmer favorite that he couldn't run in 2020. And I think that comes back. Andy Kitch asks, I've noticed Zimmer doesn't have a coaching tree. Is this because he is a defensive coach? Also, is it normal for really great defensive coaches to not have a tree like offensive coaches? So a few things about this. A, Zimmer does kind of have a coaching tree, right? Um, they just haven't gotten promotions yet because he hasn't been a head coach for nearly as long. If you think about coaching trees, you think about like Parcells, who was a head coach 20 years ago, and now all these guys are coming. Um, and, you know, you think about Gary Kubiak or, and Mike Shanahan, who were around forever ago. Bill Belichick's been around. For, it, it takes a while for a coaching tree to grow. And Zimmer's only been a head coach for seven years. Um, but, you know, you have guys like Jerry Gray. I think he's going to be in, in the upper echelon someday. You do have Kevin Stefanski. That comes off the coaching tree. For whatever reason, we don't credit Zimmer with that. But you have Kevin Stefanski coming off the Zimmer coaching tree. Um, but Zimmer himself is part of the Marvin Lewis coaching tree. Um, but there are a lot of guys that have worked for Zimmer. His defensive staff stayed on the Vikings for forever, though. So, of course, it didn't really become a tree. They all stayed here until Jerry Gray and Andre Pat or uh, George Stewart left. Um, or George Edwards left. And so those guys are out. But yes, in general, defensive coaches get less of a coaching tree because defensive coaches just don't get head coaching in like bigger jobs as often. So yeah, you're not going to have much front on the defensive side. Offensive coaches just get fast tracked a little bit more often and it's going to be a little slower on the defensive side. Uh, last one is from Tim, who asks, can you explain the difference in Zimmer's scheme from year to year, 14 to 21? I'll do this as quick as I can. 2014, he inherited a Tampa 2 defense, slowly transitioned them to cover three. That worked out phenomenally until the 2017 NFC Championship game, where they got cooked by RPOs, and then in 2018, they got cooked by Sean McVay, and he basically retooled everything. He stole a bunch of quarters concepts from Michigan. Um, and the, uh, a lot of the kind of man match stuff. He was always a man match guy going all the way back to his days in like Dallas and, and, and all that stuff, you know, big cover three. They were running the Pete Carroll cover three until this kind of retooling that they did between Thursday night and then their week five game against the Eagles where they came out in a quarters defense all of a sudden. Doug Peterson had no idea what to do. The Vikings won that game against the Eagles, which was kind of an upset at the time. And that worked out for a good while until kind of uh, late 2019 when Xavier Rhodes started to fall away and then he kind of struggled more at the corners um then they had to start doing more cover two and stuff like that and now they've been in a, a more cover two type thing and they've been kind of hamstrung by their corners but i think he it, it feels like he wants to go back to cover four 
um, and doing more of that. However, Zimmer's scheme is, I, I say it a lot, it's a shapeshifter, it's a chameleon, it kind of is whatever you lose to, so he might come out in a lot of cover three once. If you're bad against cover three, if you don't have concepts that beat cover three, or if your best concepts lose to cover three, he'll run cover three on you, and they can do that. But it's always been a, a Rip-Liz fan match. When I say Rip-Liz, I'm referring to when the safeties roll. You probably see like oh Harrison Smith kind of coming up to the line of scrimmage at the last second. That's the Rip-Liz thing. But it was a lot of Pete Carroll cover three type stuff for a long time until that stuff didn't work. And now it's kind of adapted. And now we're kind of careening into whatever the next wave will be. And that's a process that usually takes a while. I'll see y'all tomorrow. We will talk about some story time stuff. We will continue to preview camp, which is coming around the corner, preview some battles and all that stuff. Can't wait to talk about it. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. Under 20 minutes every single morning talking about everything in sports football basketball baseball everything and of course check me out on twitter at luke braun nfl shows on twitter at locked on vikings see y'all tomorrow and as always skull